On this week's podcast, we had the opportunity to sit down with Steve and Marshall Partlow. As our first father-son duo on the show, this was definitely a new dynamic, and it resulted in a new type of conversation, so we want to start with a few upfront things. First, this episode gets a little emotional, as the topic of mental health surfaces. We considered editing it, but thought that the topic is not one to be shied away from. Two, that being said, we ask that our listeners take time to mull what is shared in order to be respectful should you choose to share feedback on our public channels. And three, we weren't able to get time in our own studio with Steve and Marshall, so we're actually in their office, and the sound quality is a little bit different for this episode. That being said, what we lack in maybe sound quality, content makes up for. This is a great listen. On behalf of Taylor Holmes, this is Kyle Bush in episode six. Welcome back to the We Take Full Responsibility podcast. This is your host, Taylor Holmes, along with Kyle Bush. Yeah, here we are. We are uh, in Northgate today. We've got our first father and son duo ever. (laughs) Stephen Marshall. Stephen Marshall Partlow. Mm -hmm. They've been in the Springs for quite a while. We're really excited to share some things about Steve, uh, his journey through leadership, and some transitions that he's made in his life. And then we invited Marshall. I'm a fact checker. Yeah. <laughs> Everything that comes out of Steve's mouth. Um, but oh. also uh, to maybe bring another side of the stories. A great starting point would be uh, Steve just sharing us with us a little bit about what life was like growing up, where you grew up, what your family was, was like. Yeah. Well, uh, I grew up, as you can tell, you're going to catch a little bit of the accent from, from Texas. And... Um, that's because that's where I grew up. So I've got to be definitely got to be the oldest guy you've had on uh, the podcast. Oh, definitely so far. And uh, I'm in the fourth quarter <laughs> <laughs> on my life. So uh, growing up in in a, in a cool home in Dallas, Texas. Growing up there, lots of open space around to where you could uh, adventures. You know, as a kid, you could really do that. Uh, great mom and dad, both Christians. Uh, raised us in a Christian home. I have an older brother that's nine years older than I am, and then I have a sister that's two years younger than I am. So I'm the middle guy. The middle child. Yep. Growing up, though, I think um, my dad had gotten injured playing football uh, in high school and um, playing the Cotton Bowl for the state championship and um, just took out his his, uh, leg with (laughs) a big divot, but it caused blood poisoning and... uh, so that said, they use real lime on the field. Imagine oh, that, marble. not marble dust. And uh, it was really life or death for him. So a lot of his friends pitched in. You know, they gave him transfusions, you know, like the rubber hose between needles in each arm. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those kind of deals that he didn't realize so much, but why does dad always walk with a limp? Well, uh-huh. dad, you know, got hurt, and, but luckily he's alive. So mm-hmm. thank goodness for that. And uh, I think uh, high school, junior, you know, awkwardness, you know, all that stuff ran into Young Life when I was in high school. I had a friend invited me, hey, why don't you come to Young Life tonight? In fact, I had two really close friends, and both of them were real involved, and they said, you got to come. 
This is my junior year. Yeah. So I I come and that first night, you know, I walk in the door, you know, the young life leader, he was a grown guy, you know, worked a, a regular job, wasn't a young life staff person, mm-hmm. but he said, hey, Steve, how you doing? Sam, great, good to see you, got fuzzy, <laughs> you know, the other guy was with us. Fuzzy. And, and it was like, what? I mean, how's this guy know me? And I realized, this is the guy who was hanging out of the football field, uh-huh. watching us play football and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it's kind of interested now and then there were a lot of cute girls inside so um anyway it wasn't too long after that um my other really good friend who happened to be a girl um we were all friends together her name was candy and she's red got red hair really fun and excited i said she would love this so drove candy to, to young life club and uh you know, here we are, 47 years later, married, and I dated for five and a half through high school. My high school sweetheart became my wife and uh, the mother of Marshall, Heidi, and Becca. So, you know, growing up was, um, um, my dad didn't get to do as much with me physically, you know, like go play yeah. basketball or, because he, he played sports, but we I didn't get to, you know, mm-hmm. by the time I got to it, my brother had already broken his arm playing football and it was like, yeah, we're not going to do three strikes. You're out. You're out on two. Mm-hmm. So I got to be the football manager. But so I got to do the training and the managing. And we went two years in a row. We went to the state finals, and it was really all because of you. I'm sure the taping of those ankles <laughs> did a lot for that. I was also the guy that held the boombox with the music. That's oh, important. You know, that That's motivation. Gets you motivation. Yeah, the yeah. hype. The hype man. Jimi Hendrix, Purple Haze. <laughs> hey, yeah. I said it was a long time ago. So uh, anyway, yeah, I only went. We only saw him swim once, right? <laughs> Jimmy? No, your dad. Oh, my dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doing something outdoors kind of deal. Uh, uh, although he grew up before that happened. He was very involved in that. And, then, and that, that walking with a limp came back to me later on in life. Not that I physically had a limp, but I found out I had a couple of things that were like that. Right. That I had to deal with. I'll bring that up in a minute. Proverbial but, limps. Proverbial limps. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, hey, it didn't bother him. I mean, he he was one of the most gregarious, outgoing guys you've ever run into. A real, a real mentor to me, uh, and really somebody I looked up to. So um, that was kind of the early years. I mean, it led on into those. Dad was one who really taught about um, working hard, but also doing something that you like doing and doing it well, no matter what it was. Do it well. But I, I, I bet I had 30 or 40 jobs before I got out of college, wow. for sure. And a lot of them you just do uh, for, it wasn't because I couldn't keep a job, it's just I loved learning a lot of different mm-hmm. things. Doing different things. And doing different things. So They didn't have YouTube yet. So. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's been a great, <laughs> great learning tool now. Yeah. Um, he's, he's, was he six foot? Yes. Yeah. And his wedding ring didn't fit over my thumb. I mean, it fit easily over my thumb. Oh, like it was really and, and, I mean, that's almost an inch. I mean, you got a nice I don't, I don't, thumb. I don't uh, envy getting swatted from those kids. That was a big <laughs> seven inch chest and a 38 inch waist. Still he like was, a billboard. Uh, yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. He could move stuff. And, uh, <laughs> he could move stuff. Big John. That's what they call him. Yeah. His name is John. So, um, you know, that led to, Whatever you j- jumped into, 
you're going to try to do it really well. Mm-hmm. And so got involved in Young Life and got on, well, after graduating from high school, went on on to uh, student staff. Now, could you talk a little bit about what Young Life is for our yeah. audience? Young Life is uh, an organization that, um, I was in Dallas, so this is where it started out, yeah. actually, Gainesville, Texas, but then shortly thereafter. What year was Jim that? Jim Rayburn. Um, what when it what started? What year did it start, was, and then what year did you do um, that? 1942, 1940, somewhere, 38, I think, is when it's, like forty two is when it became places, but, young life, yeah. Yeah. But uh <laughs> my uh so it's it's an organization that has a lot of volunteers involved in it and staff as well as student staff. Mm-hmm. And so it's an outreach to high school age and junior high age kids now mm-hmm. um with the gospel of Jesus Christ in a way that they can understand it, in a way in their life and place that they live in high school or wherever they hang out. And so uh, I got involved in that when I was in high school as a kid going to Young Life Club. Uh, my leader was a, an adult who had a job at, at a pharmaceutical company, had five kids of his own, loved us just like we were his own kids. And uh, his Young Life leader was Jim Rayburn. Yeah. And so it was kind of like, wow. Jim Rayburn is the founder. The founder of Young Life. Yeah, yeah that's right. And. Uh, so it was in the early days, Dallas is kind of where that all started. So when I was on student staff, uh, going into uh, when I was in college, uh, after my second year, I became the area director. When I was starting my junior year uh, in college, I had nine high schools I was responsible for in the wow. Dallas area. And most of them were pretty big high schools too. So we were having 100, 200 kids at every club, and then we had for private schools too. So mm-hmm. that was one of those things that was kind of intimidating just to try and get around to them. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Just to supervise that and uh, try to be the leader. But we had an all Dallas leadership mm-hmm. once wow. a month. So that was great. Man, <laughs> if you're an area director at that point, it's like, oh man, what are we going to do for, how can we organize and keep track of all the yeah. people and what they're doing? Graduating, your graduating class was yeah. thousand what? Yeah. Right out of class, class my graduating class. Just so bigger than most high schools in Colorado Springs. Yeah. yeah. So it was, but you know what? We had, um, uh, it gave you great opportunities yeah. mm-hmm. for leadership and for being involved. And we had some great people because the seminary is just right around the corner sure. that uh, really loved what we were doing and trying to reach high school kids. So uh, we had, gosh, we had, Fantastic people come speak at leadership. Yeah, yeah. Um, there were there were a number of really great people. And were most people on staff about your age, or no? They were usually uh, they'd finished college. Uh, It just happened my the area I led the north area had had lost their transferred the person that was the staff person there to Austin, Texas, to start Young Life in Austin. Mm -hmm. So. we just said, hey, it makes sense. That's what I wanted to do later anyway. Um, I guess I didn't know any better. Yeah. And, uh, and you're a full-time college student. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so you were a full-time college student and working full-time. And with 13 clubs? Did I get my math right? Nine, uh, nine high schools and then four. Nine, nine, nine high schools school. altogether. Oh, okay. Four of those were private gotcha. schools. Yeah. and uh, uh, But they were all, mm-hmm. you know, each one of them had a pretty good-sized club. So... Um, <laughs> It was a little crazy then um, in that, but had great support. 
It was mm -hmm. crazy, yeah. but I had great support from the area office. So they believed in me. Yeah. And I think half of the time being a leader is that if there are people around you that believe in you, you can almost do anything. And mm -hmm. especially and recruiting people like that yeah. uh, really helps. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's been true all through my life. You know, I, I've gotten into things that I never should have gotten into, but God pulled you through it and, and you go, well, looky here. Yeah. Um, yeah. People came out of the woodwork. You know, kids came out of the woodwork, not because there weren't things to do, mm -hmm. but it was just, it was fun. And the people that were the leaders, man, they love, they love being around you. They hung out with you and it made it feel like you were special. Mm -hmm. and, and really that is part of the point of the whole thing is we were made individually by God. We are unique. We right. are Mm -hmm. special mm -hmm. but they made you feel that way whereas during the time or in that era they were just you were just teenagers and um delinquents <laughs> another, another brick in the wall so to speak <laughs> that was a few years later oh, okay yeah. my timeline's all mixed yeah. up but yeah. like going to church back in the day was suit tie oh yeah and this is this was not that no. In fact, we got to wear jeans like our junior year. You could start wearing jeans to school, public school. Public school, and girls not could even wear, private. No, yeah. girls could then wear jeans instead of dresses, too. Wow. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's not go back that <laughs> yeah, far. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so maybe let's uh, fast forward a little bit. Yeah. So you, you've been on Young Life staff a couple years. We'll fast forward maybe four years. You're married. Uh, have a kid, right? Not yet. But Not yet. Yeah, I got got moved to go to right. startup clubs. That I kind of became startup club Steve. You know, it's like we need a new club over here. Can you start that one? And I know how to start clubs. I may not know how to maintain them, but I can start them. I know where the book where you get the books. I know where you, you know if you don't. One club it was like we were having eighty five there, and we still didn't have a guitar player. It was like, so I went and got a kazoo, two kazoos, and uh, we had those teak sticks, you know, to get a beat going uh -huh. with. Yeah. And I can't remember what the other, oh, a tambourine. And it was like, well, at least, and we pulled people out of the audience, just, but they didn't know the songs in the res raspberry. <laughs> yeah. So it was like, uh, so we were singing Brown Eyed Girl, we were, you know, whoever, you know, Van Morrison, we were bringing in people from the street, whoever we could, you know, yeah. just get started with that and then we can move to some of these other songs and you just teach them mm -hmm. and but see it involved in them that's that was the main thing so um <laughs> we uh we get transferred to to midland texas and i had to look it up on a map i did not know where midland texas was and i lived in dallas all my life so midland odessa is out in west texas about six hours west of dallas fort worth and uh it was where god said this is where I'm going to make something, but it was all flat. It was sand, but there was a lot of oil under the ground, oil and gas. And um, those people never had Young Life out there. They really, there was only one couple that really knew about it. They called us out there. We met with some people. They said, hey, that sounds like a good thing for our kids out here. Mm -hmm. So we started Young Life. We started with 85 at our first club and went to 400. Um, never got any lower than 85. It was crazy. Oh, wow. Uh, that that worked out okay, but there were those things that you had to just work through mm -hmm. that were not part of the manual that you right. would have gotten anywhere at any job. Uh -huh. you know, it's like right. okay, when you do this, yeah. this is what you should do. 
Mm-hmm. You know, this is what we're going to do because it's the only thing we can do right now. And thank goodness. So, if there's an underlying like, hey, I've done some things. I know you can do them because of this. What would it be? Yeah, I I really think, and I'm not just trying to cop back to the, hey, God will get you through this. If He calls you to it, He'll equip you. That's just the way he's always done it. I mean, he's done it with a lot lesser people than you mm-hmm. uh, that didn't have as much talent as you have. And so he's going to come through for you on this. And I remember sending many of you know, these leaders that we had you know, out and saying, you can do this, I promise you, and kind of slapping them on the back. And I mean, I was like, he can, can he? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, he yes, can. Yeah, yeah, you can. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, yeah. really certain probably that will <laughs> Be a good club. And, well, there's uh, a thing too about knowing what your strengths are and filling those voids. I think are trying to to round out what your team yeah. needs yeah. by knowing that's not me, mm-hmm. and I do need these people. I yeah. mean, like going to a party with my wife. Like I'm very outgoing, and I go, man, I'm sorry you didn't have a good time. She's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, you talked to one person in the corner the whole night. And she's like, yeah, I had a great time. Like, <laughs> oh. I met 30 people, yeah. like, yeah. you know, but that's, yeah. mine's not better than hers, but it's a meeting a different group of people, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure we'll come back to this, but one thing that I think, Steve, you're really good at is identifying in people what they're good at and then really casting great vision for them to do that, mm-hmm. even if you're like, ah. <laughs> but that's, I mean, you've done that in my life, yeah. and that's why yeah. we're sitting across the table right now. And so I'm sure we'll get back to that, but I think that's something that you're really good at. I think that I learned that from example. Uh, people that believed not only me, but believed in other people. I'd see it happening and say, you know, they would make a great leader. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't look like a great leader by the standards, mm-hmm. by whatever the world out there is saying. But you know what? They showed up too. <laughs> the first instance <laughs> I really realized I had a limp was that... I had, I have ADD, but I didn't, they didn't call it quite that then. It was just, you're a kid who couldn't pay attention. Mm-hmm. And um, so there's three different aspects to those things. You know, right. somebody's just a contrary person, you know, <laughs> or just a person that just can't sit still sure. or that person that is, can't pay attention. And I was the can't pay attention. So it took me a lot longer. I had, you know, I had good people helping me along the way as tutors uh, from second grade all the way through college. And um, I found when my mom died, we were going through all the stuff at the house. In the cedar chest, there was my public record stuff for school. He said, in the deal, it said, do not let him sit next to windows. He daydreams, (laughs) stares out, and he can't. He won't hear anything. And we're in my office here. You can see, what, where's my desk space? I'm looking right out the window. Right out the big window. It's six <laughs> feet wide and Suck four feet mom. tall. Yeah. And I just, every day I look outside and just at the street and the things going by and I go, see, I was able to conquer this. I was able to get past this limp. And, yeah. But I didn't discover it until I was 50 years old. So I went all the way through all school thinking I was a dummy. Hmm. Walking with a limp because I didn't know. I didn't know any better. But I was also just keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. So it would have been a lot better <laughs> if I'd gotten something that would have helped me stay concentrating. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that, was that? 
like the people speaking to you, vision and things like that, correct? Yeah, it was. It was being around. I happened to just, God put people in my life mm -hmm. that were really great people. I mean, super leadership oriented people. People that I didn't even realize just how much of a leader they were. You know, I was in Midland, I, literally down the street or in the office on the floor that I'm on. You know, guy turns out ends up being the president, George Bush. You know, he's he offices down the hall from him. You know, his dad was vice president at the time. Yeah. We just knew him as George. You know, we go to the, <laughs> go to the Y together. We yeah. that's funny. It wasn't that special, that. but that's really I remember when he became a Christian and mm. being at a party and. Then he came back to another party a few months later, and you know he was really a partier, yeah. and he'd come to know Christ. And I mean, he was different like that. Wow. Mm -hmm. And so you could ask, you know, what happened? What turned the key? I mean, you could—they were open to people saying, "Hey, I can tell you what happened, but this is me. I can't tell you exactly what happened, but I, this is what God did in my life." And I had a number of businessmen. Uh, that were really speaking into my life. A guy named Moose, you know, who uh, I couldn't, I couldn't believe the pressure that he'd go through. But he just said, "You just take it one day at a time," and you know, typical West Texas thing: put one pant leg on at a time, you know. And he's got a eleven million dollar ninety day note at the bank, and you're going, "How do you, you know?" I'm just trying to make the hundred twenty five dollar rent or whatever, but. How do you handle that? Yeah. You know? and, and those guys just loved on me and mm -hmm. believed in me. Yeah. And so that helped seeing how did they deal with stuff. So you're in Midland. How long were you guys there for? We were there for 11 years. Have you talked about what you look like at this point while you're... We're just moving doing... on. Um, I'm <laughs> not oh, sure. That... Garcia, beard, <laughs> afro. I'm serious. It's a, it's a look. You oh, yeah. dig out a picture, we'll put it in the... Oh, yeah. I can dig you out a picture. Yeah, I do, do have a yeah, picture. Yeah, we'll put it in the... the, the and you would go, there is no way on earth that we would let this guy work with our teenagers because, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was... Which is obviously not true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we... Kids look different then, too, but, I mean, I did have a different look, that's for sure. Um, the big, pretty awesome. big afro, so it was... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we're moving past that though, and uh, I'm just keeping my name in the party. <laughs> yeah, just trying to keep. Things I'm glad we got you here, Marshall. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we had three kids while we were in Midland. Uh, Marshall and Heidi are 15 months apart, and then Becca's six years behind uh, Marshall. So it was boom, 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 boom. And a nice you know? little break. And uh, we were doing Young Life full time then. Um, and it, you're in the middle of nowhere. I mean, that it's not like you're close to other cities like we are, you know, in, in this metroplex. But uh, so you kind of just had to invent stuff and make it go. And when you heard something that went well, take on that kind of deal. Read about it um, if you could. And uh, leaders are readers. I mean, if you really look at anybody that's a real leader, they're going to be readers and they are going to be involved in that. Uh, uh, Marshall, one of his, maybe it's his limp is, you know, the dyslexia. It makes it very difficult to keep up with reading in class, but man, he, he can he can listen to podcasts and he listens. Well, now it's books on tape, mm -hmm. audio, now audio it's on books. Podcast. I'm on a podcast. Look yeah. at that full circle. Full yeah. circle. How many, well, book, how many it, books did you do in the last couple of years uh, each year? That's about like 400. So. No, in the last about 100 or 80 to 100 a year. Wow. On audio book. Yeah. 
That's what you mean. On Audible. Mm-hmm. Audible. Which was, yeah, I mean, it took me about 35 years to realize that I'm not a bad student. Yeah. yeah. I just learned mm-hmm. different than everybody else. So So yeah. there's different ways that you can adapt to your, your limp yeah, I love that. to make it work for you. And so um, that was one of the things that helped me. People would point me in the right direction, mm-hmm. and I'd go, I'll read the instruction manual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's yeah. good. Right. Yeah. So, so after a little over 12 years, transition to uh, been on the Young Life um, Properties Committee and I love camping what it did for kids and you know, get kids away from their environment and I saw I mean we had tons of kids that would be going to all the all the different Young Life camps at that time we had nine and it was just like God, what a difference it changed the lives you know two of them were junior high camps but seven were full-time you know camps mm-hmm. and I'm telling you lives were changed I mean, it really made a difference. So I really wanted to, I think, go more that direction. I was heading into my 40s, and I really wanted to to change. And so um, I put myself up as a candidate for being a property manager at one of the Young Life properties. And uh, since I've been involved on the committee at Frontier, which is in Colorado, uh, in Buena Vista, um, and I, I felt like I talked it well. And I've also been a Midland, Texas was a great place to learn how to fundraise. There was nothing else out there that you couldn't <laughs> do. I mean, they, they, I'll listen to your talk. I'll listen to your pitch. You know, tell mm-hmm. me what you, you know, but what they taught me was about relationships. Yeah. You're in a relationship business. You're being relatable to kids and building relationships with them. And you had to do it right away. You know, you mm-hmm. had two times, you know, and you had to make a good relationship with a kid that they felt like it was a deeper relationship even than it really was. Mm-hmm. You'd met them twice, you'd gone to camp, you took them to a weekend camp. These guys taught me that really, these big business deals, it's all about relationships. Mm-hmm. It says, we do business with people we know, but how do we get to know them? We spend time with them. Mm-hmm. You know, in the fundraising business, you know, which I am in, right. uh, have been in, and this is kind of where that switch was from Midland to Woodleaf, I've done really well with fundraising because you had people on that board that were that knew what they were mm-hmm. doing, and they taught you. Right. And so I, they Man, said it's it's not too. about the the transaction to get going and asking for mm-hmm. the money. It was about building a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. So when I went to Woodleaf, I had to raise a lot of money to and turn Woodleaf, that around. Woodleaf, Woodleaf is, is a, one of those camps. Yeah. And it was a an old mining camp. Uh, I mean, uh, logging place in up in the Sierras and uh, I'm telling you it had all but the for sale sign out front I mean it was in the back of the hotel you know behind the building and and, but it was it was hurting it was gasping for air and uh, it had a bad reputation in town young like did on the hill where we lived the name of the place where where it is challenge California (laughs) and Boy, as we off this, that boy was that truly the, the name. Men were men, over the women. The place. <laughs> wow, it was it was really uh, yeah. It's a, that's a whole other story. But really, had to raise several million dollars, you know. To uh, but that's not you're not going to do it right there. Right. You had to go to San Francisco. You had to go to L.A. You had to go to Portland, places like that to raise that kind of money to to build out millions Woodland. of dollars. Millions of dollars. So you were doing development work then. Yeah, just you know. They, I think they took me because I had experience and was successful in, in Midland. Mm-hmm. But I had other people that were helping me. 
That's always the way it is. Yeah. Because that's all it's going to be in San Francisco is relationships. Mm -hmm. Because it's really not about asking for money. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. about building friendships. Mm, So we went went there. We left Midland. And we went to the woods, uh, 200 acres, you know, it was... 200 acre woods. Wow. It was... uh, It's it's a rustic... Northern California. Northern California, Anthony Sierras. What was the difference in what you were responsible for in Midland? Raising yeah. to when you got to oh it was probably eighty thousand to one hundred twenty thousand in Midland at that time. Yeah. When I went to Woodleaf, it jumped to like one point two million something like that. And I went, whoa! I can remember thinking this might have been a bigger step up than I thought. <laughs> and then they handed me a ring of keys that was just literally like three inches and said, "This is to all the cabins and everything. You need all these keys." to run the place and delegation helped mm-hmm. a lot, you know, and who you could really delegate to uh, and recruit to be there. So that lasted for five years and we got the thing built. Uh, we built it out and did a master plan for 10 years. So then leaving there was like, our kids were growing up. We have three kids that are going to school there and it was like, school's our way. I mean, Down the 15 minutes for me to go to high school one way on the bus, yeah, and that's if I didn't do sports, I'd right. be home at mm-hmm. yeah six. So the it really was a transition. We said, you know what? I think we're going to have to give up on our dream in order to give them a dream because wow. the schools were not great. Mm-hmm. The dropout rate was over fifty percent. Well, the town that we was in was the worst town in the U.S. Like it, two years in a row or something. It like was. That. The pregnancy, unwed pregnancy rate was in the 40%, 40%. of the teenage girls on the, on the hill where oh, we lived. Oh, the teenage population. Yes. Wow. So we thought, we've loved kids, but this, mm-hmm. is, this isn't fair to our kids. Mm-hmm. That means we're probably going to have to leave Young Life. <coughs> and uh, at that point, I've been on Young Life staff for about 20, uh, 20 years, 21 years. Between Dallas, yeah. Midland, and Woodleaf. Yeah. And so... That was hard because this had been a, who we are. Yeah. And um, we'd learned a lot there and we had a lot of opportunities. So we, um, at that point, um, said it's, we've got to, in faith, we've got to leave. Yeah. And uh, I didn't have anything yet landed. Mm-hmm. And so I said, but we're going to, we're going to move. And I feel God has called us to that. And, uh, Every one of the people that worked for me at Woodleaf, the camp out in California, had grown up in Colorado Springs. Really? And they were really, really the people that were really dependable, the people that um, come through, had the greatest ideas and the most creative were the people, the three people I had from Colorado Springs. And they said, you ought to, maybe you ought to go there. I mean, that's where, we called it headquarters then. You know, that's where you ought to go, maybe. And I went, easy way to explain it. Okay, so... Yeah, I turned in my resignation, trained the person that's coming in behind me uh, in one month time period. And mm-hmm. we're packing the car and we're moving We're moving to uh, Colorado Springs. But we don't have a place to live. We don't have a job. And I know this is going to sound <laughs> crazy. I can see the crazy look in your eyes right now. It's like, Steve, this doesn't match up with good leadership. Sometimes you do things that don't match up with maybe good leadership, but you know it's God teaching you. Mm-hmm. And God, it always said, I'll prepare you, I will provide for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, 
we packed the truck and the cars and the three kids, uh, pre-teens. You got to sit no, in the front, teens. not in the back of the truck. So yeah. It was nice. <laughs> and uh, we head to Colorado Springs and we pull in and we don't have a place to live. Yeah, we got safe. a truck. Don't have a house, don't have anything like that. Nope. We now needed to turn the truck in and it was full of furniture, but we couldn't get a, we couldn't get a big enough storage, uh, storage unit, unit to be able to put them in. And one finally, you know, my wife called people, I called people, we went around to them in the truck going, we need to, I mean, we'd done everything we could ahead of time, but we just thought, no, we're still going. And um, God showed up and uh, it was one of those transition times that really made a difference in our faith. I think it's a whole family, right Marsh? Yeah, maybe, Marshall, maybe you could share with us what your perspective was in that transition as your mom and dad said, all right, we're leaving California. We're going to Colorado. Editor's note, it is important for the listener to know that this segment has been edited for time and sensitivity. But when the Partlows moved to Colorado Springs, they actually lived in tents at a campground for a short period of time. It actually wasn't that weird. Um, I mean, we we go camping and stuff all the time, but um, it was an interesting and and it's it's been a cairn, you know, that right. yeah. for me. Yeah. To look back on um, in my own life, of it's all pretty fresh right now, <laughs> but. Um, if I really believe that the Lord is going to take care of me, no matter what, um, that's a great visual to look back on. Um, but, I mean, at least from my perspective, I don't know the conversations that he had at, at work, but it was, or at, you know, the Young Life headquarters, but it, it seemed... What I saw was a real estate agent showing up and going, hey, how could you guys need a real estate agent? <laughs> <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I knew we needed a house, but it was one of those things that was like, how do you, what, what, okay, cool. Like, <laughs> um, and then, oh, hey, so-and-so is going to, we're going to be on the side step. Come, come stay at our house. Oh, hey, like, we have a week left. Oh, hey, we're going to be. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a miracle. Um, so, God's timing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it was really cool to see that and go, he can orchestrate all of that for my family. When I then got married or was, you know, looking at these transitions and things that I had to kind of figure out was like, why wouldn't he do that? I mean, if he can do all that, he can find me a house or he can find me an apartment or, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. like these things that I feel like are these huge things, but it's like, hmm. Yeah. I haven't made, yeah. I, I haven't made the mountains, so yeah. that's probably much easier, you know, kind of thing. So, um, I love the, the visual of Karen to be like, look back on that. Yeah. Sorry. And there's been several of those. I mean, that, um, for for me, you know, I mean, and and one of the ones re- most recently for you know for me is uh, I'm I'm 42. I'm at where he was at Woodsy. 
Huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm struggling with this with a lot of the same things that um, you know, I've been doing construction for twenty some odd years and three months ago realized, oh, I think I'm depressed. Hmm. Okay. Like what do I do with that? How do I work through that? And um, a lot of that came from actually having a conversation with my dad um, and realizing through that conversation, oh, yeah, I was at Woodleaf when I was struggling hardcore with depression. And it was like, okay, <laughs> I'm not unique. I'm not. <laughs> and, you know, that's one of those things where you don't necessarily want to be unique, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, um, that sounds yeah, exactly. But it's one of those things of, oh, I'm not the only one. It's been a big transition for me, but that was one of those huge things that I got another, you know, kind of Karen from, mm. from watching my dad's leadership is I need help, you know, or, and so, you know, I've been, I found a good counselor and I've been working through a lot of that stuff and it's it's been a huge relief for me and it sucks you know Mm -hmm. and and i gotta put my time in you know what i mean it's one of those things of i would love for it to be a band-aid and we can good three days and it's all taken care of but it's not you know and Mm -hmm. it's okay and that's okay and uh so it's Mm -hmm. it's a little raw right now but um yeah. well that's called yeah. that's what we call taking responsibility yeah that's right yep mm-hmm. so so i have to everything wasn't great great at woodleaf after things got yeah taken care of that's tough you got the building done you got the um the repair of relationships in the community i'm not a maintenance guy mm. a person that just maintains i'm a developing person right. And all of a sudden, I found myself in dark, dark funk. And I'm, I'm, it was really, really bad. What Marshall's talking about is exactly the time period, you know, that I'm, I'm sitting here going to my office and going, I don't have anything to give them anymore. Mm-hmm. I walk out of my office, I'm at, on the second floor, and I'm going down the stairs, and there's 113 people waiting for you every morning. Tell us what to do. And I'm going, I'm out. Mm. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Mm. And I started, I knew that there was something wrong. So I went to a nearby town and got a counselor and I think I've got, I'm just having a hard time figuring this out. Thinking it was one thing, but it was another. Mm. God just said, uh, you need to, you need to get outside help. You can't pull yourself up by your own bootstraps on this deal. Mm -hmm. And, uh, counselor, I mean, just give me some books. I can figure this out. Mm. And he, in his library, he just started loading me up. And he, oh, here's a really good one. I didn't <laughs> see this coming, but I mean, he was loading me up. I mean, it was down, it was now approaching my chin. It was, <laughs> and I still hadn't told him to stop. Yeah. And he said, when are you going to say stop? You mm. can't read all these. You can't figure it out your own, your own. You need help. You need to ask for help. Huh. So Candy had been reading a book. My wife, uh, from the Menner's Meyer Clinic in Dallas. And she said, I think you need to go there. Uh, I can't go there. If I leave here, they will, I mean, this isn't a good thing. 
You know, people don't admit they're they've got they need help psychologically. Yeah. But you're you're really in bad need. And I remember driving into a gas station in Chico, California, and I to go to my counselor. I'm going. I don't even know why I'm here. I don't know where I am. I just remember being. It felt like blinders on my face around my glasses and going and it's getting darker and now it's gone to black and white mm-hmm. and I remember thinking oh my gosh and there wasn't cell phones then and I remember going to the to the phone booth and putting the money in it and dialing my number at home going I can't find my way I've lost mm-hmm. my way I don't know what to do I am I, I'm empty and um so she called them. They said he has to call for himself. <laughs> of course, <laughs> take responsibility. Yes, I guess. See how this theme goes, and it's like taking responsibility. And I had to call for myself, mm. and I had to book myself. And that, we're in California. That's in Dallas. Yeah, you know, it's a two or three day drive. I couldn't even drive. My kids. I mean, my wife had to drive us all the way to Dallas to drop me off. At I the, volunteered, but apparently at the, yeah, <laughs> things still illegal, but uh, to drop me off at the psychiatric hospital and go, we'll see you in a month or so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was, I was so embarrassed. I was so frightful. I can't tell you. I felt like everything shame. I'd ever learned, shame was huge shame. that I'm not going to, I might get, this may keep me breathing, but at that point, I'd already given up. I'd already had the thoughts of suicide because I, I didn't know a way to be, to get out of this. Yeah. To get back. Yeah. There was no no book about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, no podcast. No audio. Right. And so um, I said, "Well, I'm going to get it done. You know, one way or another." When I got in there, out of the 19 people that were in the, the, the class, you know, that I was there mm-hmm. with, you know, in the hospital with. Um, 15 of them were in full-time Christian ministry. Oh, my. And I thought I was going to be the only one, and I thought I was representing God so poorly by showing up there. Hmm. And I was not the only one. And it really showed me that, and many of them were pastors Mm -hmm. and the leaders, you know, the head of, like, the finance department in one church, a big church, huge. Hmm. And I thought, holy mackerel. The walls are cracking, but yeah. you know, God repaired. And when I, you know, it took about a year to get back around, but I went back and uh, you were in Dallas for a year. I was in, no, I was in Dallas for uh, six weeks okay. and then went back and was at Woodley for a year and that uh, getting healthy. Right. Gotcha. Cause they taught me a lot of things on how they to keep from you. getting, going downhill mm-hmm. because you just lose a lot yeah. of stuff. And, um, you know, in the process, all these different people that are just, they were like people walking across camp, walking, you know, I'd meet in towns and stuff. And I'd see them and I'd recognize, you're, you're depressed. Mm-hmm. You have clinical depression. I have, I have clinical depression. And I think I can help. And I mean, it was one guy who just lead people. He was like, what is the deal? Have I got a sign on my forehead that says, you know, yeah. broken? But God uses broken people. Mm-hmm. And he's used yeah. them all along. And the leadership, you know, and we moved here. That's why we had the faith to mm-hmm. say, this: we can do this. Yeah. We can do this. And when we got here, um, you know, God didn't 
provide the job just right away. I worked in a sawmill up in Woodland Park, you know, doing heavy timber and and Which for I the think mines. Honestly, is like it was probably the best job oh, you could have had. It was so it was refreshing. Literally, he showed up to work. They gave him a draw knife and said, "Peel the logs." Yeah. And you just right. have to work make, on physical and make and furniture. Yeah. And I just Nobody made queen size bed today. Sign off on anything. Right. Turn your brain off a little. Turn your brain yeah. off and just work your butt off. Mm-hmm. And I, I was responsible to one person, and I had nobody responsible to you. Responsible to yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was just so refreshing and helpful. And how so, old are you at that point? At that point, I was probably 40, 45, something like that. 45 years in your career. Yeah. So, so I think uh, sometimes we're very like, successful consider career. that restart and we're like, no, I'm too deep into this now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah welcome. And welcome uh, that yeah. young life wouldn't want you either. And uh, yeah. I mean, long nobody story, was talking about it. Ew. No, <laughs> nobody was talking about that then. And certainly you, you were damaged goods is what I felt like it would have been. Yeah. And so I just said, hey, you know what? It is what it is, but um, I've got to, I got to continue on. It wasn't. That much longer, I got some um, experience in business and running a, a outdoor sporting goods store here. Oh, really? And some other things that gave it's me still some here. real life. Oh, uh, it's gone now. Oh, yeah, it's, it's gone oh, now. Oh, you're it's bought the out competitor. The yeah, competitor, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> it gave me some great years of learning what it was to come back on top of it. But I was doing it on relationships. Mm-hmm. In fact, the guy yeah. said, don't run this like a store. Run this like a camp. So when people walk in, we wouldn't say, how can we help you? We said, what kind of adventure are you going on? Mm-hmm. They'd be looking at coats. So you're going to go, what are you going to do? Maybe you're going to go out for a hike or you're going to do Kilimanjaro. And we had those people. We had people from Everest come in and share stories. And so we just have them tell stories. You know, yeah, come on Wednesday weird. night and hear the story about this guy climbing Mount Everest. And we just invited the far outest thing we could. Yeah. Anyway, the long story is that that led to a job with Focus on the Family, being one of Dr. Dobson's assistants. You know, and I traveled and spoke for Dr. Dobson and Focus on the Family about families. And that never would have come around. I mean, mm-hmm. I had so many more opportunities once I admitted I was broken and I needed help. Well, and I think got one it. of the big things that's been really speaking to me recently is you know, I read in this book, um, Efficiency. It's an amazing book. Um, but he was talking about, there's a chapter called Protecting the Asset. And, and it's talking about how you're the asset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you don't, if you're trying to give and give and give and give and give and give and give, and you're never refilling and you're, you're never protecting the asset, you're setting yourself up for failure. Mm-hmm. And... The, you know, and, and my counselor was talking about, you know, there's a reason why when the oxygen mask drop, they say to yeah. secure yours yeah. first before you can help anyone else. And it seems so basic and counterproductive, but it's one of those things of, oh, okay, I need to recharge me. I need to bring people around who speak to me, or, you know, the, yeah. whatever that means for whatever your situation mm-hmm. is. But I think that's part of that, you know owning your own story too is saying you know this is i i need to re and then taking that time to rebuild yourself you know and, and he has some amazing stories of guys i mean causing organ failure because they just kept pushing you know mm-hmm. and, and they had to stop mm-hmm. you know so yeah um mm-hmm. but i think i mean 
you wouldn't have you couldn't have done the focus job if mm-hmm. you hadn't fixed yeah. or gotten help you know yeah or, and that that was just one of those things where I thought I was done but God just he gave me even more volume to be able to do things that were like incredible that I never would have gotten to do otherwise. Yeah. If I hadn't been broken, because he uses broken people, mm-hmm. I never would have been able to do that. I never would have been prepared for it. And then going back to Young Life after Focus, to Young Life in Europe, which is like doing evangelism, you know, on a concrete floor. I mean, it's just trying to get the gospel back in there in Czech Republic and places that, you know, Germany, Berlin, you know, all these places, you know, starting Young Life clubs in Poland and, and uh, Greece. And you're just going, holy mackerel, how in the world are we ever going to do this? You go back to reinvent, you know, just use, go back. Mm-hmm. God will provide. And yeah. that's what he did. So I feel like that's been the whole story all along. A lot of different jobs, a lot of different things. But uh, the leadership I received was now being in the fourth quarter of my life i'm trying to give that back and trying to pass that along wherever i can you know it's not that i I go out to find it we were cadet sponsors for the air force cadets you know for the last 25 26 years so Mm -hmm. we've been doing that you know four to six kids at a time you know and they turn into um, pilots and people that work with the satellites and you're going you got to be kidding me. You know, you didn't know how to change a spark plug when you got here, you know, and we help you change oil. And are trusting you with how expensive a jet? Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's kind of, it's almost ironic how God goes, watch this. You, mm. You're not washed out. Yeah. Mm. You just chair. washed up in the right place, you know, oh. and just be there. That, that was yeah. really it. it was just be there. So in the fourth quarter, it's changed everything. Loving, loving life. You know, what I get a chance to do is people I still get to, hang out with. I still get to continue uh, building those relationships that I've started years ago mm-hmm. and, um, and walking across all those bridges that you built yeah. with people. Yeah. So. What do you do professionally now? Uh, well, I technically am retired, but I, it's really more... Re- Almost a year into it. Yeah, two years. Uh, two years that's right. We call it repositioned, not <laughs> retired. And so uh, I do a lot of different... I you know, work I volunteer with Young Life. Uh, do you, you do grilled cheese, right? Grilled cheese Thursdays, man. That's awesome. Taylor and I flip two to three hundred every yeah, week. Right. <laughs> uh, and then uh, also um, I work part time doing fundraising uh, down for um, uh, Summit Ministries, which is down in Manitou Springs. Yes. Summit. And so teaching kids uh, apologetics and Christian worldview. Love it. I love being around the millennials that I do. Last year, I got a chance to do about eight months with a group called Pulse, and we pulled off a big event, funding a big event in Dallas for 91,000 people there, you know, big evangelistic outreach at Texas Motor Speedway. It was just awesome, but it starts with a few here, and you Mm -hmm. think, there's no way we can raise that kind of millions of dollars, and you know, we get there on that day, and we count it all up, and we got enough plus a couple of hundred thousand. Oh my God. Yeah. So I love working yeah. with millennials, young people. It's been our deal all along. So uh, we hope to continue doing that yeah. along the way. Well, Steve. Yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah. Steve Marshall, thank you for joining sure. us today. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, your, Steve, your impact in my life has. I've known you for two years. 
right around that retrans or repositioning point in your life and uh it's been really sweet to see the people that have affected you have cast vision for you have trained you uh, and how much of an impact that has had on me mm. the lessons that you learned 40 years ago it's far more valuable mm. than you'd mm. ever know and there are thousands out there just like me that you've impacted so thank you for taking the time to sit down with kyle and i thanks so much for yeah. sitting down with us and sharing tough stuff mm-hmm. and I, I know that you know and we'll probably talk about what we can share and what we can't but it's going to encourage people in my mm-hmm. life i know yes so yeah and it's encouraging to me even yeah. and again it comes from you're talking about relationships and how people spoke direction and vision like this is the things you should be doing that's what we're doing right now yeah in this podcast uh, so. yeah both of you modeled today what it means to take responsibility yeah. in your lives yeah. you have modeled that good leaders don't remain silent in their struggles mm-hmm. uh, and it's really tough to share that stuff mm-hmm. it's really tough to invite yeah. people into that and we just really hope that our listeners heard that today that it, that it is okay if you are struggling, it is okay. Um, but also, find somebody to share that with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Don't be silent. Yeah. Yep. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Yeah. We hope that that interview with Steve and Marshall Partlow was really beneficial for you and we really want to just take a second and say if you are struggling with anxiety depression or suicide please find someone that you trust and share that with them in the show notes we're also going to include some resources and we want you to know that you're not alone on next week's episode we get the opportunity to sit down with Corinne Steele Corinne is a writer and a social media influencer. She's also a manager at Young Life. Uh, We really hope that our conversation with her helps you to take responsibility. Also, if you are enjoying this content that we're bringing you, make sure that you subscribe so that you don't miss Corinne's interview next week. Also, if you could uh, rate and review us, that just really helps spread the word, and we really just want more people to be able to get help. Also, you can find us on social media at WTFR.podcast. And uh, on behalf of Kyle Bush, this is Taylor Holmes, and we take full responsibility.